Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to Marvel's The Pull List, episode number... We don't number this show! Wait, it says 89 right here. 89, and this is episode number 38 for the year. Right, but then we have other bonus episodes. It's, we're probably almost at 100. Wow, how about that? Hey, I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Tucker Marcus. And every week we go through every single Marvel comic that comes out, all the new issues that are in print and digital, as well as the collections and stuff that's hitting Marvel Unlimited. We're going to talk about the collections and Marvel Unlimited stuff later in the episode, uh, but we're going to hit all the comics out. This was a great week. It's like back-to-back stellar weeks uh, for everything, but really, like again, another week of wow, wow, wow art. Yeah. We got to talk about absolute carnage. Yeah. Number three. This is a big boy. Uh, This was nearly one of our picks of the week. But again, it's a stacked week. But like I said before, what a week for art because you got your boy Ryan Stegman on pencils written by Donny Cates, inks by J.P. Meyer, colors by Frank Martin. The Venom symbiote does some stuff in here that is really neat and also kind of spooky uh and the way it's depicted by stegman uh like there's just something tangible about it. yeah there's like these really it i kind of hate this word but it they're kind of like these delicious moments where it's just like you revel in the horror and evil of cletus cassidy and carnage and all of it and there's these moments where it's just like you turn the page and you're like, oh man, it's all happening. Yeah, one in particular yeah. for that. Later in the issue, yeah. there's um, looking at a page where there's two panels that are off kilter and like that sense of like, like an almost like ding and like right. unease. And then it starts to drum and build and build and build. And you get this next page and it's like horror, nightmare. Everything comes literally crashing down and it's so cool. But then, and I will not spoil what happens at the end, it just takes a wild turn, and you're like, where is this book going? I can't wait. It's so much fun. Yeah, completely. Uh, okay, staying in the realm of Absolute Carnage, we have Absolute Carnage Lethal Protectors. Number two, this is written by Frank Thierry, who is all over this Absolute Carnage business. Art by Flaviano, colors by Federico Blee, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Um, there is... A, a, this this issue is kind of mind blowing art wise. We talked about this um, about how, like the incredible art this week, and this one is one of those where it's just like uh, it's just a visual feast. I mean, there's so much going on, but really for me, the story of this issue and you know what Lethal Protectors as a, a Italian limited series is is a great just. Um, it's a great reminder of it in a unique way is like just how much I love Misty Knight. Uh, you know, obviously when I think Misty Knight, especially in the last, in recent months, I think of Jet McKay's daughters. Uh, but why I bring that up is because to see Misty in this context is so cool. I remember Misty was in the uh, Falcon series, yep. uh, which dealt a little bit more in this kind of monstrous, occultish side of things. I think and that, it was vampires in there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was really, really cool to see. Also, shades of the third man in here. Uh, but then, yeah, then we have uh, a, a one or two other characters that get involved, which is just awesome. And it's just another one of those things where it's just like you want to see as many of your favorite heroes involved in Absolute Carnage as possible just because it's such an overwhelming, unique kind of uh, villain or thing to go up against and then to see various characters and their skill sets come to the table and just play in that that sandbox is so awesome and then that happens in a big way uh, as we progress in this issue and in this series yeah yeah um 
there's a throwback to Maximum Carnage in there, which I think is really cool, tying all these things together mm. like a big through thread. It's it's really neat. Yeah. All right, up next is Arrow number three. Uh, of course, with every issue of this series, we have two stories. Uh, the first one is the adaptation of the original Arrow story by Zhao Lifen and Kang. Uh, and that one uh, is the main story. The backup story is the new one, and that is featuring Arrow and Wave in Origins and Destinies. That is written by Greg Pak and Alyssa Wong with art by Pop Mahan and colors by Federico Blee. Uh, of course, lettering on all of this is by VC's Joe Caramagna. In the, the first part, there's a really great battle between Arrow and this like half-man, half-rock dude named Keystone. Just a cool character. <laughs> I like him. And Keystone's master... Madame Huang. In the fight, you've got Arrow, who is, you know, she controls air and does some really neat stuff with air versus just giant, super hard rock dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is really cool. The new story in the issue has Arrow and Wave trying to dig into Wave's origin story, uh, which is pretty neat. We're, we get a lot of information about Wave, and I know that's a big character, a lot of, a new fan favorite. Plus, we get the introduction of a new character named Sea Hunter, who she should be pretty cool. Onward we go to a new launch, Black Panther and the Agents of Wakanda, number one, written by Jim Zub with art by Lon Medina, colors by Marcio Menes, and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. You know, the Agents of Wakanda, what, appeared like a year and change ago, something like that, in the pages of Avengers. I think it was Avengers number 12 where they Mm. first appeared, uh, sort of filling the gap that S.H.I.E.L.D. has left. There is no S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, but Black Panther... He's got all the resources, all the connections, all the smarts. He's like, well, we have this great, more advanced, better helicarrier that I created in Wakanda. And I've got all these people. I'm now chairman of the Avengers. Let's let's get this going. Yeah, they're the ground team. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Support and, like, ground support. Spies, they sort of mm-hmm. function in so many different ways. Uh, which is really cool. The director of the Agents of Wakanda, Okoye, yeah. because of course she's yeah. the general, she's the director, of course. Yeah, <laughs> gotta take a breather after that one. Uh, but this is really cool. It opens on a shot of Janet Van Dyne, uh, flying around and you know, avoiding being zapped. Shows like this great splash page by Lan, who hasn't done a ton of work for us lately, but is really, really good. and Janet is joined by John Jameson, a.k.a. the Man Wolf. Love him. I know. And they, he's got a cool outfit. Like, they have cool gear. They've got a great color scheme. Everything is on point. I have a real thing for, like, what could be thought of as, like, 1950s Western names. And I think John Jameson is, like, the coolest name ever. Oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. Uh, We get to see the character American Eagle. In one of my favorite panels of the book, he's uh, dealing with something that is called, like, an outbreak of Satora that has sprouted up in Battery Park. And the Satora are basically little... I call them cute. They're not cute. They're little versions of Sidorak. Sidorak Mm. being Mm -hmm. the god that powers the juggernaut, Mm -hmm. right? This, like, unstoppable fury god. But these are these tiny little, probably, like, two-foot-tall guys, and the image is him holding one up by the leg, and it is fantastic. I want to explore that story. You said Battery Park. What about Beta Ray Park? Ooh. That one's for free, Marvel writers. Take it. Yeah. Run with it. Uh, and then, of course, we see Brew and Gorilla Man up in space doing some fun stuff. I love this squad. It's so yeah. diverse, so 
full of weird and full of possibility. And that's kind of what this book, I think, is going to be. Yeah. I like I just generally think of Jim Zub as such a joyous writer. There's just something about every single one of his comics, whether it's his Conan stuff, whether it's his champion stuff, no matter what. Like, I always just get this sense when I'm done reading that just he loves comics. He's having so much fun. That doesn't even necessarily always correlate to like the seriousness or like like fun of an issue per se or the narrative. You know what I mean? But like uh, you, you just feel it every single time. All right, we move on to Dead Man Logan, number 11, the penultimate issue of this series. It is written by Ed Brisson, art by Mike Henderson, colors by Nolan Woodard, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. What an issue. Like, the story has been, like, building and building and building and building, and now this just feels so... You're you're waiting for Logan to die, Mm -hmm. because that's, that's the book, right? That's the story. But at the same time, like, what is going to happen before we get there? Yeah. And it seems like so much goes wrong uh, at every turn. Yeah. And in this issue, it's just like car crash, literal car crashes and figurative car crashes around Logan and his crew. Yeah. The way I think of it, continue with the automotive metaphor, is like he's so running on fumes at this point. He's like just stretching it and stretching it and stretching. There's moments where... He has mentally like the the compulsion to be like, I'm gonna get back in the fight. Here I go. Like I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do what Logan does. And people are just like, he's he's like wasted. Like he's out of it. Like you know, he's just not who he once was. But that's what's so good about it. That's what's so exciting and dramatic and just uh, just awesome. Yeah, I gotta give uh, big shout outs to Nolan Woodard in here. The coloring on this yeah. issue is spectacular. And in particular, I want to point out. The coloring on Logan, exactly for what you're talking about, like the sense of him running on fumes, it is evident in the pallor of his his yeah. like face and the yeah. like the tone of his skin. Or then you look at he's facing off against this version of Sabretooth who has basically been put together and sewn back up, whose healing factor isn't quite what it was, but he's he's all mostly in together. But like different parts of them are different colors, and it's so gross. This issue in particular just really got me thinking about how much I love the wastelands as a setting. And you know, there's a place in the wastelands called Hammer Falls, um, and that's the place where Mjolnir fell and then was never picked up again, which is just the coolest idea of all time. Uh, another book we can't wait for you to read is Death's Head, issue number. Three. This one is written by Teeny Howard, drawn by Kaizama, colored by Felipe Sobrero, and lettered by VCs Travis Lanham. Uh, I know every time you know we've been talking about this, I talk about Kai's ability to draw giant like robots and draw metal and like yeah. that sense of that metallic feeling you get. There's a giant robot with a screen in it in here that just looks so gnarly and so cool. Uh, lots of like discarded pieces of robots and machinery and it just it's so perfect kai's work here she does such a great job of of fitting exactly the role needed to tell this story alongside all of the wacky stuff that teeny is putting together because it's yeah part of it is a story about death's head Mm -hmm. identity of death's head figuring out who he is who he could be who like people want him to be uh and then bringing in these other versions of death's head but you also have all the stuff with the um, 
Wiccan and Hulkling and even now with uh, Hawkeye, Kate Bishop, all that coming together, you get a little bit of a Young Avengers feel to mm. it as well, which is just the best. It's a, it's a big old blast. On to now, Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number 12, written by Tom Taylor, pencils by Perry Perez, inks by Jay Lyston, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. This one has a big update on Aunt May's health, uh, so get ready for that. Mm-hmm. We say nothing more. Yeah. Uh, but the main story in the issue follows Spidey trying to figure out who is trying to kill him and set him up. Uh, there's really interesting thing where he realizes, like, People are doing awful things, potentially hurting civilians in order to bring out Spider-Man so that they can then kill Spider-Man. Uh, and he figures it out why. And it threads through other issues and storylines that have been going on in this run of Friendly Neighborhood. But it's really fun and sweet and funny. Uh, there's an emotional moment with MJ that is, you know, a little bit of silence and then, like, snapped back with a joke that is just so perfect. There's a fantastic mm-hmm. hug with some other superheroes that, again, like, hits humor and heart. It's pure Tom Taylor, right? Yeah. If this had, like, an element of gut-wrenching horror in the middle of it, it would be the most Tom Taylorist book of all. Uh, but it is still wonderful and wonderful. Great banter, of course, uh, between Spider-Man and Detective Sebbins, who is a character that uh, Spidey's befriended over the course of the series. Uh, I really love this book so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a tweet the other day that listener Tony, a.k.a. T. Bizzlesworth, let us know that uh, because of this show, uh, he started reading Immortal Hulk on Marvel Unlimited. Um, and then he Way went, to go. Nice move. I'm glad that we got that across to people. <laughs> that it's like, hello, yeah, read well, that series. Th- that, that's part of what we're trying to do. Here, yeah, right? like tell you these are the books you should. You gotta yeah, be reading. And, but that's what I'm saying is like, I would screen that from a mountaintop yeah. if I could. And, that it, that series in particular. And my favorite part is that not only did he go and read them, he went and he bought every like all of them at his local comic smart store. guy. So good. Yeah. Uh, but I think this is another book that. We'll grab many of you once you give it a shot in Marvel Unlimited. You're going to have six issues or so, like a full story arc Mm -hmm. to read right now in MU. So give it a taste. I'm pretty sure you're going to be like, okay, this is another Spider-Man book. I need to read. Yeah. Uh, Next up, we have Guardians of the Galaxy number nine. Uh, This is written by Donnie Cates with pencils by Corey Smith, inks by Victor Olazaba, colors by David Curiel, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So much going on in Guardians. Uh, that it's really hard um, to explain. It's in that way such a Donny Cates story. Um, and it's really interesting. I, for some reason, reading this issue reminded me of a conversation that I had with Donny. Like, he was in town for uh, one of the Marvel Comics, you know, publishing creative retreats. We sat down to talk. It was before Guardians uh, had even been announced that he was coming on board. And as we continue to read this series, I'm just reminded I, it, it becomes more and more clear like, oh, I know, I understand more and more how this fits into the larger kind of Donny, you know, corner of the universe, the stories he's been telling, how it all fits together. It runs the gamut in terms of emotion. This one for me from like deep personal familial trauma and drama um, to like the most delightfully fun, like kind of. Uh, adventure kind of feeling uh, through the story. It's it's a, it's great stuff. Yeah, there's a, a Peter Quill like Indiana Jones ish yes. moment. Yes, uh, that involves Cosmo. That is just so much fun. Yeah, uh, it's great. 
All right. Also great is history of the Marvel Universe issue number three. Now I pulled back. I didn't choose this as one of my picks, <laughs> even though it was on my list of potential picks. It is written by Mark Wade, pencils and colors by Javier Rodriguez, uh, inks by Alvaro Lopez, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. This one um, starts off at the beginning of the Marvel Age with the birth of the Fantastic Four. That's how we ended last issue mm-hmm. with the the FF going off in their ship, and now we pick up with them. Uh, in this beautiful page of them walking the streets, uh, there's a reflection of the monsters that they battle in their first issue in a, in a window. You've like the, the little touches in this book continue to blow me away. It is beautiful. And then you open up to one of the many double page spreads in the series and in this issue that is about the Hulk. It is about the return of Namor. It is about uh, the sort of starting point for Dr. Doom. Um, there's this wild, gnarly-looking Bruce Banner face that is half, like, this magenta color and then half green, and then him breaking out and exploding and becoming, you know, the monster that he is. The first image we see of Mm Spider-Man is this wild perspective shot where you get scenes of of Peter Parker turning into Spider-Man in Spidey's boot in, like, just these little panels. The amount of work that is put into not just putting this together but figuring this out yeah like javier's brain works in a way i just i don't understand all i can do is appreciate it and Mm -hmm. and and like hope that everybody experiences this um someone else uh who listened to this week in marvel sent a really nice tweet to us about um how they're a historian and they really like the history stuff that we're doing on that show i i say that if you are looking for like the best way to experience Marvel history, this is the book. This <laughs> is like walking you through like the greatest museum of yeah, all time yeah. and, and showing you little bits and pieces. And it, like, it just keeps going. Every page is this beautiful recreation of, of a seminal moment or gets this wonderful reaction shot. You know, you get the first battle of Hulk and thing that is, framed at the top of the bottom by these daredevil images uh, that sort of circle around it. It's it's so cool. I could go on and on. This one runs through to the point where the uh, all-new, all-different X-Men show up. Uh, but there is a sequence in the middle of this issue which brings us back to sort of what's happening here, mm. which is that this is a conversation between Franklin Richards and Galactus at the end of time that broke my heart. Like it, It's one page that you know, like stops the history, brings you into the uh, present at the time of the telling, and then it moves back into the yeah. action. And yeah. I was just like, damn it. Damn it. This is so good. Um, it it also has, of course, the annotation. So it tells you every single issue that you could read if you want to read the uh, panels and pages and stories that inspired the history here. And it's wonderful. Up next is House of X number five. And it is written by Jonathan Hickman, art by Pepe Larraz, colors by Marte Gracia, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles, and design by Tom Muller. It's my first pick of the week. Of course it is. Wow. What a book. What a book. Um, it's- I want to point out before yes. you get into it that Go. this is you know in the reading order, yeah. in the back of every issue of Powers of Ten and House of X, there are like three or four issues that are highlighted a different color. Mm. Like these are... 
standout issues. The something here yeah. is of utmost importance. Yeah. And that's what this one of the, this is one of those issues. I I literally don't think I could say anything about this issue because right from the start there's just huge mega spoilers. Um so what I I, I will talk about I I love being in meetings uh with the editorial team from publishing with Jordan D. White, with Chris Robinson, Annalise Bisa, that's the X office, with CB, with everyone downstairs, and hearing um, hearing the reports and hearing the talk about how well these books are doing, how much people are freaking out, how um, that's just cross-pollinating across series, across all of Marvel. It, it's so exciting, and it's so, um, it's so deserved. People are talking about issue four and how emotional that was i mean editor-in-chief steve sabolsky tweeted about it and said like how many of you guys <laughs> cried about when you read this and it was like everyone was like yep like four times i cried you know whatever um that nightcrawler wolverine yes. page from the last issue amazing just and like it, it is the, this friendship uh between those two characters that is so important to our understanding of them that is built up over 40 years mm -hmm. and it was so perfectly encapsulated there and it you know also reminded me of the moment in uh return of the king where you know gandalf is talking about you know this isn't the end right. we move on and what happens here but we've got to be brave for now yes right yes there, there's something more and the one thing i will say about it is there's one panel in here that i think is going to be the panel heard round the world um, that's all I'll say about it. I'm trying to think of which one it is. I've been looking at, you know, this <laughs> issue as you've been talking and I'm trying to, there's so many. It feels like such a monumental moment. And we talk so much about how this is a paradigm shift for the X-Men, um, and how this means really huge things for the mutants and therefore for the Marvel universe. And something that goes down in this issue is you, you read it. And you're like, oh, wow. And then the more it sits with you and the more you think about it, the more implications of what this means continue to, to resonate with. You're like, this is so massive. This is so huge. This is, is it good for everyone else in the Marvel Universe? Is it bad for everyone else in the Marvel Universe? Who knows? But that's what's so exciting about it. It's just, it's just incredible storytelling. Great stuff. Uh, all right. On to Magnificent Ms. Marvel issue number seven. It was written by Saladin Ahmed, art by Joey Vasquez, colors by Ian Herring, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Uh, and this one, you know, it's so fun. I love the new costume that we've devised for Kamala. It looks so shiny and cool and it's like thought control. The possibilities for, you know, for its use, I think, are pretty huge. Um, as is the future for Joey Vasquez, he did some uh, recent Marvel team-up stuff. Um, he busts out some really cool action in this issue with Kamala near the end of the issue, like new moves and and, and cool, you know, twisting and spinning and uh, like effects that are a lot of fun. It reminds me of one of the reasons why I love manga, uh, mm. like, you know, battle manga is like, they, you know, lots of like special moves and they like yell them out, which is, you know, very silly and fun. Um, I don't think she yells them out, but right. like, it has that feeling. Yeah, right. And I, it, it's so vibrant and, and poppy and fun. Yeah. Uh, but there's a, a lovely, like cool. Yeah. This is a teenager moment where Kamala is just going with her friends on a small road trip to eat good food. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> New Jersey diners. They're great. That's where like, I'm from. Yeah. Like, 
<laughs> I, I can't argue. Shout out to the Blairstown Diner in my hometown, Blairstown, New Jersey, as featured in Friday the 13th uh, and uh, of hasn't had a ceiling in it for going on 10 years now. Wait, what? Yeah. Doesn't have a ceiling? Yeah, it's just like you just see through the pipes. This is what I'm talking about. This is where I'm from. Farms. Diners without ceilings. Gas stations. That's me. <laughs> okay, great. Anyway. Uh, on to our next book, which is Savage Sword of Conan, issue number nine, written by Jim Zub, art by Patch Zercher, with colors by Yava Tartaglia, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Uh, Patch, man, he's been around a long time. Friggin' so good. There's, like, some stuff that he does in here with Conan just remind you, like, this is someone who's, like, knows their craft and knows the type of story that they're telling mm-hmm. so well. The first page is Conan, like, gritted teeth, bloody blade in hand, ready stance, surrounded by skeletons, looking up at a gigantic, horrific monster. There's texture, like, on the page and around him. Uh, there's, like, really nice lighting work and just, uh, like, a emanating sense of power mm. in that image. Uh, you, you can, like... Focus in on Conan's eyes. And if you took everything away and just had his eyes, you would get that sense of power still, yeah. even if it was just that. It's such masterful work within this. It's, it's perfection. Uh, there's In the issue, there's like all this chaos and calamity that's going on in the casino. Uh, and it rules. There's a really great sequence where, you know, you, you have um, like coins and cards like – flying at you they're like breaking panel borders uh, to give you that sense of like motion and movement and and again chaos that's going on in here uh jim of course loves conan so much he's got that sense of burning anger and viciousness for conan down perfectly like mm-hmm. the, his words his tone the building around everything and then of course you add in the big weird mystical stuff and the giant stakes for everything it's it's been a great arc yeah all right up next is my First pick of the week, it is Spider-Man number one. This is written by J.J. Abrams and Henry Abrams. Art by Sarah Pakeli with an inking assist by Elizabeth D'Amico with colors by the mighty Dave Stewart. Letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Now, I think there's a lot of like, I think speculation about what the story is, hesitation, mm-hmm. confusion, hype, excitement. There's so many emotions and, and questions and thoughts about this book. And leading into it, I, I was able to skirt by without knowing what the story was. Uh, I don't know about you, Tucker, but I came in thinking, okay, cool. A Spider-Man story by by J.J. Abrams with his son, Henry Abrams, drawn by Sarah. Cool. That's going to be good. Yeah. I was not expecting what it was. I was completely surprised. I was absolutely floored and delighted by it. It was it like blew me out of the water. Yeah. I was reading. I was like, wow. Okay. This is one of those that it's hard to talk about yeah. because we don't want to spoil it. But like this character that's been around for almost Spidey? 60 years. 62. So yeah, almost 60 years. Yeah. And how many stories have been told with this character over the decades and decades? Uh, it's such a fresh take. That's that. That's the biggest takeaway I had here. It's just like what an inventive, like unique, to- it, and it completely works. The direction to take this 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 character and this story in. Um, I thought it was just awesome. 
I thought it was awesome. Uh, Sara's art being so you know incredible in what she does. Her f- her forms and figures look unlike anybody else's. You know the way she draws Spider Man, this lanky you know you know like svelte as- athletic Spider Man looks so cool. But he no one else draws him like she does. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and the other characters in the world, and then she creates this villain in here uh, alongside JJ and Henry that is terrifying yeah. and it is so like upsetting I, it's it's such a cool mixture of taking everything we know and love but also making really bold choices and i'm not just talking narratively i mean like with the this villain cadaverous that's one of the been one of the big teasers in the lead up to to the release of this issue um, but just like making the the little little idiosyncrasies of this character, and just saying this is who this is, like come into the story, get to know this character. You know what I mean? And you just immediately in the first scene, you, it, there's so much mystery around this character. But in, even in the first scene, you're like, oh, this is different. This is weird. This is strange. And hey, speaking of Stuart Eminen, yeah, played a unexpectedly crucial role in this issue coming out. Yeah, which I it was like had vibes of Stewart's work there, had vibes of the tone and everything and then like you get to the letter at the end that is Nick Lowe recounting how long this book has been in the works, how it came to be and how yes, Stuart Eminen was crucial in the actual putting together of this book in, in its earliest way. I feel like it's a, it's a this book speaks to the power of Nick Lowe just being, like, the best, nicest guy. Because, like, essentially the story he tells in this letter in, in the uh, it, it kind of in the last few pages of the story where he talks about how this came to be, he was, like, well, he was like an assistant editor. This is, like, almost 15 years ago no, It's now. been in the work for 15 years, Yeah, he and he said he got J.J.'s email from Stuart Eminem because J.J. was still working on Alias. Alias at the time. This is way before J.J. Abrams, superstar film director. And uh, because, like, they were in a writer's room together or something like that. Uh, yeah, it, Stuart had, was brought in to work on a project that J.J. was working on. Right. And they became acquainted right. with that. Uh, and then Nick just, like, cold emailed J.J. about, like, doing comics maybe. Um, uh, and, like... Uh, of course that like went well because Nick is the best and uh, they started this correspondence started talking and yeah like like we said this has been in the works for over a decade um, and just constant conversations between Nick and JJ when's the right time what's the right story to tell and then uh, and then JJ brought up the idea hey maybe maybe I could tell a story with uh, uh, with my son Henry, which is so cool and such an exciting take. But then knowing that and having all that information um, in the buildup and, and then reading the story, it makes it somehow even better on this meta level of um, uh, of this father and son telling the story. It's really, really cool. Yeah. If you love Spider-Man, I think this is a book you 100% should check out. Yeah. If you're a fan of J.J. Abrams, this is 100% a book you should check out. Uh, honestly, like surprised the crap out of me. By I think how it's gonna much really surprise it. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm so happy. Yeah. All right. Next up, uh, speaking of JJ, we're going over to the world of Star Wars. Uh, this is Star Wars: Age of Resistance, 
Ray, number one. Um, we're talking about Tom Taylor a little bit earlier. This is written by Tom Taylor with art by Ramon Rosanas, uh, colors by Guru EFX, and letters by VC's Travis Lanham. Uh, Tom Taylor recently made his, I believe it was his first ever voyage to New York City. But one of the things that I spoke to him about that I was obviously so excited to talk to him about was these Age of Resistance books. Oh, by the way. It's my second favorite. Um, hey! Uh, uh, and uh, speaking of um, Tom about these things, like one thing that he kept saying over and over, and which is so cool, is he was just like, I can't believe they let me tell these stories. Um, and it's something that Ryan, you and I have spoken about off air about like, obviously everyone knows and loves the movies and Star Wars started with movies and it will always live there. And that is the home base of Star Wars. Everyone knows that and we love that. I would really make the case that comics is easily the number two medium for vital Star Wars storytelling in 2019. Like the stories that are happening right now and then the stories that are upcoming um, are so crucial to everything that people know and love about these characters, a character like Rey, a character like Rose Tico, a character like Kylo or Snoke, you know, all these characters that have kind of taken the world by storm over the last four years. Um, there are some huge pieces of their stories being told in the world of comics. Uh, and that's so cool. That's so, so exciting. And it really speaks to the power of the medium, and it also speaks to the trust and the power of the storytellers that are taking care of these stories. Um, uh, and, you know, uh, obviously that's led here by Tom Taylor. Um, what happens in this issue is we get a, um, uh, a story that takes place essentially after – it takes place in the very short amount of time, um, kind of towards the end of the events of The Force Awakens – uh, right up to the beginning of The Last Jedi. Um, and a lot of it, as we see on the cover, takes place simply in conversation between Rey and Leia. Uh, and it's so beautiful that way. Um, that was something that Tom mentioned to me. He was so excited to dig into. Uh, and yeah, like he said, he was really surprised he was able to mine and explore um, was this relationship, was uh, essentially Ray and Leia, as we see here, walking around the Resistance base, um, uh, uh, talking about things, um, getting to know each other a little bit. And then what's really fun is Ray and uh, Chewie and R2 go on a fun adventure after they leave uh, Dakar, which is where the Resistance base is, uh, but before they get to Octo, which is where Luke is. Uh, and that's really fun. There's some great little uh, Star Wars Easter egg -y kind of things in there and, and a really, really fun um, we talked about the, 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 the spirit of adventure um, that's totally in here in the best way. Uh, I, I really, really love it. And I, I love uh, Tom Taylor's storytelling. I think he has just uh, such an incredible command of um, heart and, and character, but also humor um, uh, and making interesting decisions, making interesting choices, moving the stories forward. Um, uh, just great stuff all around there. And I think Ramon is such a great, yeah. you know, partner mm -hmm. for that for the heart and the uh the humor uh if you want to see chewy covered in foam which is such a like f fun pure yeah happy like great moment star warsy moment it's in here and like 
Ray's reaction to it and and Chewie, the way he like everything hits so well. I do want to also point out that there is a Joe Casada uh variant to that issue, mm. which is stunning. It mm. is beautiful. It is like it's a very simple style image, uh, but so detailed and elegant and like really great perspective work. You know, it's like you could do a straight on shot, but he doesn't. He does this in a certain way. Yeah. Uh that is it is deceivingly magnificent. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, staying in the world of Star Wars, now we have Star Wars Age of Resistance, Rose Tico, number one. Uh, of course, it's this is also written by Tom Taylor with art, again, by R- Ramon Rosanas, colors by Guru EFX, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Something that was very interesting um, to see is how... Star Wars now, right? Like right now, I I believe this is the case that the kind of labels Age of Republic, Age of Rebellion, Age of Resistance, um, and kind of the framing of the everything we know about Star Wars so far into those kind of epochs, I guess, uh, to see um, now the greater Star Wars universe framed within that, um, whether that's movies or TV shows or things like that. Um, that's really cool. And I think that speaks to my previous point about how comics are really informing so much about what's going on in, in the world of Star Wars right now, which is obviously, uh, to my delight, this Rose Tico issue is so excellent because, um, again, this is, I think this might've been actually the very first thing that Tom brought up, uh, when I spoke to him was, uh, how, uh, excited he was to explore the relationship between Rose Tico and her sister Paige. Um, Paige is the character that we see in the very opening scenes of, uh, the last Jedi as the resistance makes their attack, um, uh, led by Poe Dameron and things like that. I remember something that Tom mentioned was that, after having written all of these Age of Resistance stories, this might be his favorite. The Rose Tico issue might be his favorite. And he said that he was so excited to to write this specifically because one of his kids came out of The Last Jedi loving Rose the most and like new favorite character. Uh, and that just inspired him to tell this story. And I think that you can you can feel that kind of childhood sense of wonder. But within the Star Wars universe, the the adventurous spirit, um, the kind of driving speeders around, the running through the dust and dirt, and you know all of that kind of stuff. Uh, you can really feel it all in here, and it's a very just wonderful, you know, exciting story and and little background, uh, you know, color to these characters that we, you know, at least with Paige, we got a glimpse of in the film, and then Rose, we're getting to know better and better and better. Um, one of my favorite characters. So yeah, it's just it's just the greatest, the best. Um, you know, you're gonna have to stop me because I can talk about Star Wars stuff all day, but you're not gonna stop me because. Because next up we have Star Wars Dr. Afra number 36. This is written by Simon Spurrier with art by Wilton Santos and Chris Bolson. Inks by Walden Wong. Colors by Chris O'Halloran. And letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. We talk about Star Wars storytelling. We talk about the power of Star Wars storytelling. And how... Um, how much good stuff is going on in Star Wars comics right now, uh, that's got to be led by Dr. Aphra, uh, this comic series, because um, just this her corner of the universe, we kind of use that terminology, or at least I use that terminology when talking about the Marvel Universe so often, where it's like, you know, all these things are happening, you know, in the same reality. But what's really cool about this issue is that we get, to dive a little bit more into how it relates to kind of a, a greater, the the more uh, maybe familiar Star Wars story with people because we get 
um, bits of the Emperor in here. We get a, a, a bunch of Darth Vader in here. We get uh, Attack on the Death Star that, you know, what we know in, in this story. We, we have so many pieces in here. It, it, it takes advantage of some of my favorite Star Wars I wouldn't call them tropes, but like kind of methodologies of storytelling of like the the use of of myth within the universe of the use of horror within the universe and the kind of reality of all those things, how those play a real um, part in these characters lives and, and stories. Um, uh, uh, yeah, again, it's just uh, really excellent stuff. Uh, if you're a Star Wars fan, dive into Star Wars comics right now because it's only going to get bigger and better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we got two more books to go. This week we've got Tony Stark, Iron Man number 16. This one is written by Dan Slott and Jim Zub with art by Valerio Skiti, colors by Edgar Delgado, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna, cover uh, by Alexander Lozano. So good every time uh, one of Lozano's covers comes out. Just, I like to shout them out because yeah. they're real pretty. Um, this one uh, has a big movement for Ultron Pym. That's what he's calling himself. Uh, he is a fusion. You know, he does. He did a little dance. You know, fusion ha uh, between him, uh, Ultron, and Hank Pym. Uh, and now he just wants to fuse flesh people with machine people. Put them together. Yeah. That's just that's all he wants. Yeah. Like, chill out, everybody. No big deal. <laughs> um, I, would you be a machine? Human fusion? At one million percent. I actually think I am. People have described me as like Spock-esque in ways before where I like I really compartmentalize like emotion. You're too funny like, to be Spock-esque. Oh, uh, well, thanks. But like like where I'm just like I can be like so like, you know, and, and so my friends sometimes call me Mr. Robot in a way. So absolutely. I relate. Got it. I like it. Uh, in this issue, though, there's also lots of arguments about identity and, and self-identification, you know, rights and AI and all kinds of stuff. All of that mashed up alongside a big Iron Man superhero comic with a drunk machine man and, a, uh, you know, maniacal Ultron Hank Pym fusion. If you get the issue, check out the preview text for next issue. Mm. It's really cool. And it's, it's like, dun, dun, dun. Yeah. You can feel something has been building. Also, for me, a great reminder that Ultron is one of the coolest designs ever. Like right? Yeah. Uh, I remember? Do you do you know what Ultron's first look was? He was basically like uh, a trash can looking type thing. <laughs> uh, ult- like th- one of the first Ultrons. Yeah. Uh, I think the first time we see him, he's more humanoid. But there's uh, like a an early version of Ultron, which looks like a, a, a like a can. It's great. <laughs> I love it. Um, anyway, on to the last book of the week, which is my. Second pick of the week, this is Valkyrie Jane Foster, issue number three, written by Jason Aaron and Al Ewing, with art by Cafu, Ramon Perez, Sian Tormi with Roberto Poggi, and Fraser Irving. Colors by Jesus Arbertov and Fraser Irving. Letters and production by VCs Joe Sabino. Uh, so there's a bunch of artists on this issue because... The story takes us on this incredible journey. I don't want to spoil what happened last issue. There's a major death, uh, a major moment that drives Valkyrie to embark on a journey to, to take the spirit not to Valhalla, but to somewhere that they have never seen before, never experienced before. Which is a monumental task. Yeah. Uh here you get a sense of like I think Jason and Al do a great job building okay, here are potentials for what we'll see from Valkyrie. Yes. Like the her weapon, this the the all weapon that it is a weapon and there's a moment here is like knowledge can be a weapon. 
Right. And this is the all weapon. It's like that potential then just starts spinning and you're like, you're trying to hold on as you go through that. There's at one, like the first image of the book is Valkyrie with uh, the spirit and they're riding a winged horse on the surface of the moon. Boom. And then they go (laughs) through a portal and they're just transported. We go through heaven. We get to see some of the fallout of the war of the realms and how it's uh, affected the angels. uh, You know, the same race that, um, not the same race because Angela is uh, Asgardian, but where Angela was raised. So mm-hmm. this realm and what has happened to them and and see like the seedy underbelly of their society and what's happening there, uh, which brings us into a version of hell, uh, which then pulls in elements that we've seen from Avengers No Road Home, which yep. Al wrote, uh, bringing stuff in there and, and get really cool, really gnarly, get some dark, creepy stuff happening there. Uh, but ultimately for me, my favorite moment in comics this week, maybe my favorite in comics this year, happens in the the pages uh, that are cre- – I saying drawn is almost an unfair yeah. way to describe uh, what this looks like. Yeah, I know what it you is, mean. It is so beautiful. Like the pages crafted mm. by Fraser Irving are stunning to a point where like looking at them like sparks something in my heart. Yeah. Like I look at this and it is so beautiful and haunting, sad and sweet. Um, it is moving and melancholy and and hopeful and it is it is sort of the the end of the journey for the spirit that Valkyrie carries, and it it is perfect in the most perfect ways. Yeah, it reminded me of that like the insane ten minute long light and sound sequence in 2001 a space odyssey where it's just this technicolor blur um but take that and channel it with the emotion and with these characters and just the the way it bends and moves and it's so organic and so beautiful yeah yeah Uh, we we had that giant like beautiful epic moment and then it transitions over to something that had me laughing and and like giggling and then to the the last page which does such a great job of elevating a menace that mm. uh, didn't seem like it was as menacing. And, and it's just a simple one page move. Oh, such a great book. You, everybody should be reading uh, Valkyrie. Totally. Um, okay. That's what we have for individual issues on sale um, this week. Now moving on to collections, we have age of Conan Belit, queen of the black coast uh, Avengers West coast, epic collection lost in space time. Dr. Strange by Mark Wade, volume three, Herald fantastic four, volume three, the Herald of doom infinity wars by Jerry Duggan, the complete collection star Wars legends, epic collection, the menace revealed volume two, Thor masterworks, volume 18, Uncanny Origins, Mutants and Monsters, and Uncanny X-Men, Wolverine and Cyclops, Volume 2. There's a lot of stuff that hits Marvel Unlimited this week. I wanted to point out a couple things from the older uh, books that are hitting the service this week. Amazing Spider-Man Spirits of the Earth is this gorgeous original graphic novel from 1990 by Charles Vess. It is stunning. It is like 80 pages long, I think. Is it? It's like that. If that was the only thing you read on Marvel Unlimited for the month... 
That's worth the price, <laughs> worth the price of admission. Uh, Thor Annual Number Nine, which is a cool Chris Claremont story with art by Luke McDonald. Thor versus Dormammu, uh, and then there were a couple of missing issues from the Days of Future Present crossover, which happened across a bunch of annuals. I was very happy to see there's Fantastic Four and X Factor uh, parts of that, which I always dug that crossover as a kid. So that's cool. Plus, of course, you've gotten uh, you're getting a lot of new stuff from uh, Age of X Men. Uh, the first issue of Magnificent Ms. Marvel is on Marvel Unlimited this week. Uh, and plenty more. We'll have the full list for you on Marvel.com. Uh, that's it. We'll be back with another one next week. I'm Ryan. And I'm Tucker. This is Marvel. Your universe.